by Atop Boston, it's Celtics Express, where we bring you the latest in the quest for Banner 18. It's the Prince of the Parquet, the Captain of Causeway, the Governor of Green. Oh, wait, really? He quit? Okay, then. Here's your host, Jay Corwin. Welcome into a special playoff preview edition of Celtics Express. I'm your host, Jay Corwin. Thanks for joining us, old and new, on this journey into NBA fandom. We'll, of course, take a look at the playoffs and what we expect from a battered Celtics team. Some great guests with us today as they get to take on the Milwaukee Bucks Sunday at TD Garden, game one of that first round series. You can find us on Twitter, always at Celtics Express. Subscribe on iTunes. And everywhere you find fine podcasts, for that matter, we're on Blog Talk Radio in conjunction with our amazing super friends at otgbasketball.com, the universe's number one source for non-stop NBA content from every angle. For the Celtics, major questions loom. Injuries, of course, the main story heading into the playoffs. Kyrie's out. Tice is out. Hayward's out. Other guys are nicked up as well. Who's going to score the ball? How will Tatum and Brown play? Who the hell is going to stop G-Freak? It is the greatest time of the year for NBA fans. The playoffs are here. Games just about every day and or night for weeks and weeks and weeks. This year's second season seems to be wide open. We're joined for a playoff glance at every series and some in-depth chatter by a couple of Boston area heavy hitters. Teddy, hit me. Got NBA on the brain? Call the sex line. Whoa there. That's Celtics Express Customer Service. Give us your take at 617-807-0013 to be heard on the show. Joining us from 98.5, the Sports Hub in Boston, the Celtics Radio Network, the Silver Linings, Silver Fox, 6-4 Menace out of East Dennis, Sean Macho Man Silver. Sean, the playoff blood pumping for you? This is just what I like. All the nicknames just thrown in there. Lots of fanfare. Yeah, man, the blood's pumping. This is my favorite time of year. Yeah, excitement is palpable for sure as we raise the curtain. It kind of feels like it's more wide open than it's been in some time. Some surprising talent emerging, some youth, and, of course, some injuries to some key players on some squads as well, Sean. I just want to kind of take a look at each series. We'll finish with the Celtics, go a little bit more in-depth as the playoffs tip off on Saturday. We'll head out west. We've got the Trailblazers and the Pelicans. They split the season series. This, of course, a huge one for Anthony Davis and his quote-unquote legacy move. Moving forward, the Blazers stumbling at the end of the season. They do have Drew Holiday, a very good defender to put on Damian Lillard. What do you see here? Yeah, I could see this one going seven. And, you know, kind of uh, full disclosure, uh, I I see a lot of chalk in the first round, despite the fact that, as you said, there are some injuries. And uh, this does feel kind of wide open. There's there's a lot of potential for a close series, uh, you know, up and down the Eastern and the Western Conference. But this could be a seven-game series, and it's a, a clash of styles. You know, you got the Gonzo Blazers with their uh, high-volume backcourt against Anthony Davis just doing everything for the Pelicans. I think this is a big question of, is Rondo going to show up? Um, mm-hmm. How Drew Holiday can handle being the second option on a playoff team? And, uh, you know, I, I really, as a guy who's been to, to Portland a couple of times, really respect that fan base there if this does go seven then they have it at the the former rose garden uh i'll go with the home team in the series but i I think it'll be a very competitive one 
I think the big factors are obvious, but you hit it right on the head. The biggest variable might be the play of uh, Rajon Rondo for sure. We move on to the Jazz and Thunder. This another good one, of course. The Thunder, we know what they bring. Russell Westbrook with another historic season, the first player ever with two triple-double seasons. Then you have the Jazz, who have just been unbelievable playing team basketball, a very good defensive squad. Paul George, he hasn't been shooting so well in the second half of the season. This looks like a really good matchup as well. Yeah, it does, and I agree. I, I kind of feel like Melo is washed up and the Thunder have been a disappointment overall. But I do think they've got enough to get by Utah. The Jazz are a good story. They're kind of the little engine that could. But Oklahoma City, that top-end talent that really puts them over the top, could be another close one. We did have one playoff game already, Sean. I don't know if you knew that. Wednesday night, it was the Timberwolves and the Nuggets and a pretty good finish there in overtime. The present for the Timberwolves, they move on to play the Rockets. This one's going to be tough. The Rockets swept the season series 4 nothing, blasting them an average of 15-plus points per game. The Timberwolves, not very good defensively, second worst among the playoff teams, the 16 teams. And the Rockets, of course, we know the league's top offense. And that Rockets interior is pretty good on defense with the Timberwolves relying so much on the cat. What do you see here? It's kind of weird to see a Tom Thibodeau coach team uh, yeah. have that low of a defensive profile. But it's it's really been a question of the pieces fitting together now. Jimmy Butler being a, at least on his face, a good defender and also the stalwart, I guess, kind of offensive cog of that team as well. Um, you know, that really hurt them losing uh, him down the stretch. He is the kind of guy who, uh, if they were to come together and, and play as a cohesive unit, he's a, a real major part of that puzzle. I mean, I, I hate Houston. I respect their talent. I respect <laughs> their, their strategy and how they're trying to rethink, you know, the way that basketball is played. But it's not something I want to sit and watch. Uh, Minnesota's got a lot of talented players, and even Todd Gibson having a career year for them. But uh, I just don't think that trying to figure it out on the fly here with Jimmy Butler just getting back in the rotation when you haven't been able to figure it out all year, that they'll have enough to get by the Rockets. We'll see if they can <laughs> steal a game. And moving forward, the Rockets' destiny, that'll be fun to find out as well. The Warriors and Spurs, speaking of destiny, a star-crossed lovers, Sean, over the past few years. Of course, 15 <laughs> and 16, uh, Steph Curry, he got to the Western Conference Finals there, but he didn't have to see the Spurs. Then last season, we had the Pachulia Kawhi Leonard incident. Uh, so early on, it looked like, you know, in the first uh, infancy of that series, it looked like the Spurs might have something for him, but that one went the other way quickly. Now this year, Curry's out with the knee sprain. Leonard, he's out with uh, who knows what's going on with him. Uh, so your thoughts on this series? This is a very intriguing one, of course. Yeah, it's it's intriguing because of the history. I mean, San Antonio, I, I love the fact this offense runs through the post and LaMarcus Aldridge, I, I'm always going to stand for that kind of stuff. I love to see these gray-haired guys <laughs> running around still in the league, you know, playing relatively effectively. Yeah. But I, I just don't see them knocking off Golden State. Um, again, you know, in the playoffs, it comes down to top-end talent. Uh, when that switch gets flipped, I just don't see San Antonio, a nice you know top-to-bottom team, uh, really being able, being able to withstand that. Yeah, San Antonio, just no way defensively to match up, and uh, I think Aldridge is going to have to have a huge series to make it interesting. All right, Sean, we appreciate your take on the Western Conference. Now we bring in the NBA's beautiful mind, joining us from Celtics blog, NBA Math, the CLNS Celtics pregame show, of course, OTG basketball. He's everywhere but in your shower. Matt, thanks for the time. It's Matt Chin. You amped up, you amped up for playoff overload here? Absolutely, man. It's the best time of the year. 
Yes, it is indeed. So Sean gave us his thoughts on the Western Conference. We're going to head over to the Eastern Conference, get some of your ideas now. We'll start with the Wizards and Raptors. The Raptors, of course, a very balanced team, the only team ranking in the top five, both offense and defense coming into uh, the playoffs. It should be an interesting one. We know there's stumbles come playoff time. The Wizards, they do have John Wall back after that knee injury. These teams split during the regular season. What do you see going down here? When you're looking at the Wizards, they're a team that when they have everything together, they're so talented. I mean, probably the most dynamic backcourt in the Eastern Conference, either that or Toronto, with with Wall and Beal. And the narrative with them is that a couple years ago, uh, Wall and Beal, they couldn't get along. Their starters couldn't uh, really mold together. And then they started to play well on the bench. They didn't have any development. And then this year, Kelly Oubre is playing a lot better. Otto Porter's playing a lot better. But then you have the starters who are clashing heads again. Um, so with this Washington team, it's always, you know, can they put everything together at once? And then with Toronto, the, the, the question overlying them is, are they going to be able to pull it together in the playoffs? Are they going to go back to that isolation-style game? So I, I see Toronto ultimately winning just because I think Washington is too much of an emotional mess right now. They're really not playing with any sort of togetherness. Yeah, they are kind of like an emo team. So to sum it up, Chin says if they can get their prescriptions and medications all all lined up heading into this series, Gortat, he'll be yeah. leveled. Everyone will be happy they and, just, and they'll have a chance. They just need to get a guitar, sing Kumbaya, sit in a circle a little bit. <laughs> yes, so the Sixers and the Heat. The Sixers coming in, winners of 16 in a row to finish the regular season. The first team to ever do that in NBA history, ending the season. And, of course, uh, the Heat coming in with a defensive-minded young team. What do you see here? Yeah, so the the disappointing part of this series is that we're not going to be able to see Joel Embiid yeah. versus Hassan Whiteside, yes. who are probably the, the two best you know pure big men that we have in the Eastern Conference playoffs right now. Um, so hopefully Embiid will will get a little bit healthier. Uh, this is a, a matchup between you know an inexperienced up and coming 76ers team that reminds me a lot of like kind of the 2013 2014 Warriors where where people were just starting to to really get on that bandwagon and, and see the promise that they have with their young core versus an incredibly scrappy Heat team that just has um, you know a wave of defensive energy players to throw at everything that Philly has. So if you're Ben Simmons, you're going to be seeing so much James Johnson. And Eric Spoelstra is just such a brilliant coach that I think he's going to have you know a multitude of different looks for Ben Simmons. And Simmons is playing unbelievably well the last couple weeks, obviously riding that 16-game winning, winning streak. And um, I'm curious to know if you know, he'll be able to transition that through. I see this one going Philly's way as well, a little bit closer, six games, just because I believe in Eric Spolster's coaching ability and Miami's defensive grit. They, they really have no quit in them. Yeah, I like that. I think the Heat do push them as well a little bit also. Uh, so the Pacers and the Cavaliers, they'll start on Sunday. Cavaliers come in in 29th in defensive efficiency, of course the worst among the 16 playoff teams. Indiana did take the season series 3-1, to one. What do you see happening here? I, I hope the uh, Pacers can give something to the Cavs. So I'm, I'm still on the, the belief bandwagon that the Cavs can completely turn a switch when they need to, led by LeBron James. I'm, I'm confident that he'll be able to do his thing. It's Will they get the secondary scoring from 
Kevin Love? Will they get it from somewhere else, whether it's Rodney Hood or Jordan Clarkson or George Hill, now that Kyrie is not there to play second fiddle with LeBron? Um, Indiana is a team that I, I think they've exceeded expectations more than any team in, in the East or the West for the playoffs. I do wonder if that inexperience and that kind of, oh, pie in the sky, we're just happy to be here mentality is going to affect them because when you have LeBron on the other side of the floor, you can't take a playoff. I think the Cavs win this one pretty handily just because of the level of experience and having the greatest basketball player in the world. So I think the Cavs might see a little resistance in the second round, but I have them taking this first round in five games. Okay, boys, so that brings us obviously to the most important series. It will be the Celtics and the Bucks, the shorthanded Celtics, hoping to get through a first-round playoff series, a 2-2 regular season split. The Celtics' defense, uh, the big factor for them, Milwaukee with a pretty good offensive rating. The Greek freak Antetokounmpo putting up north of 33 points a game and 10 boards against Boston this season. The Celtics looking to do some damage despite their beleaguered roster. Sean, your thoughts overall? Now, in some series, we're going to talk about how you know coaching makes the difference or maybe a team's bench or chemistry is very important or maybe just the top-end talent wins out. I feel like you see a lot of elements in this series that exist in some of the other series that we discussed over the past few minutes. I mean, uh, Matt talked about the Wizards, you know, having the chemistry and, and needing to get all together. I just, I just feel like the Bucks aren't really there. I mean, we saw Jason Kidd get canned mid-season here. They went on a little run, uh, you know, with a new interim coach, and uh, they've kind of fallen back to the pack. Now uh, they did beat the Celtics recently. And, you know, that's good for them. They do have the best player in the series, I'm, I'm pretty certain, in Antetokounmpo. But I feel like this is the kind of thing where Brad Stevens, uh, the Celtics' depth, the, the steps that they've taken in the regular season, the growth that you've seen from the young guys, all of this kicks in, and you've got a, a very talented and opportunistic but mostly disjointed Milwaukee team where they just don't really know how to use all their talent to the fullest of its abilities. Uh, they're not going to be able to knock off the Celts. Now, this might take six or seven games, potentially, but uh, ultimately I have it going to Boston. Matt, what are your overall thoughts on the series? Yeah, I'm with Sean. I think it's six or seven games to Boston. Uh, Milwaukee is the more talented team, in my opinion, if you just look at their pure roster um, versus the Celtics. But the Celtics, the way that they play for each other, the way that they have kind of an unrelenting uh, mentality and the ability for the guards to cover up for the bigs and the bigs to cover up for the guards, that's exactly what Milwaukee thought they were going to be at this point. I mean, the Bucks, they're long, they're athletic, they get after you, they're scrappy, but um, Sean hit right on the head, it's it's about their coaching, and with Joe Prunty having only you know, 30-ish games under his belt as a head coach, I wonder how much of an advantage the Celtics really have in the coaching department. I think it's kind of a David and Goliath situation where uh, Brad Stevens is, is the biggest advantage that they have. Um, going into this series, and I'm writing an article right now for Celtics Blog about that. And I just think that their defensive energy, I mean, obviously they've had their struggles trying to defend Giannis this year. I mean, who hasn't had those struggles? And I do wonder you know, how many times per game Giannis is going to dunk on Aaron Baines. But uh, <laughs> but, but I, I just don't overall trust the Bucks' inexperience level. This is the first year that Middleton 
and Jabari Parker and Giannis will have played together. Uh, Eric Bledsoe has not been to the playoffs since 2012. I think the Celtics end up taking it in six or seven games. Yeah, I think you guys are right on. Prunty, uh, obviously, in his first playoff series, so that is a major factor, the coaching tilt there. There are a few on-the-court variables uh, which I think are going to be very huge, of course, among the top of those. The youth of the Celtics, particularly Jalen Brown, can he stay engaged on the offensive end? Jason Tatum, what will he bring? Will the playoff uh, atmosphere, just the full length, the physicality, the intensity, will that be a problem for him? What do you see from the uh, quote-unquote young bucks for the Celtics here, Sean? Yeah, this uh, this series and this entire playoff experience, experience excuse me, is going to be huge for uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Not a lot was asked from Brown last year. The Celtics a completely different roster construction. But this is that exact moment where those guys really have to step forward and lead. I mean, Al Horford is still there to lead, but you kind of wonder what he's going to have to have in the tank um, as a part of that uh, defensive plan to try and, I guess, hold down onto the Kumpo night in and night out, being the Celtics player, I guess, with the most length uh, who you might stick on him in, in a, a majority of situations. So I think we got a good assessment of what Horford can give. But uh, Tatum and Brown, if they can steadily score, defend, contribute night in and night out in this series, that makes a huge difference. It potentially makes what looks like it might be a rough ride for the Celtics get a little bit easier. Mr. Chin, there are a couple individual matchups which I find particularly interesting. I want you to tell me which one is more important in the outcome of the series and why. Of course, Sean just touched on Al Horford, Horford and Antetokounmpo. That's the obvious one. That one's going to be huge. Horford from the outside, his best three-point season, 42-plus percent, almost 43 on the year. Antetokounmpo, we know he doesn't shoot from the outside, but we know what he can do everywhere else. So that matchup is going to be a really big one. The other one that I find really interesting, the point guard spot, Terry Rozier and Eric Bledsoe. Terry Rozier really coming on late in the season with him starting. Bledsoe's been a very good addition as he came over from Phoenix. Which one is more important? How do you see them working out, Matt? Well, I think the Giannis, uh, you know, the, the Giannis matchup is always the most important. And your defensive scheming, your, your defensive strategy starts there. Um, and Al Horford, who has gotten some um, kind of talk out there to be all defense, probably not defensive player of the year. He hasn't been that high, but there was a point earlier in the season where he was at that level, and we've seen him defend Giannis in the regular season before, um, but this is really where he needs to make his money. I think Horford is such a good defender because he's so versatile, and he but he's more used to defending pure fours, some fives. Giannis has really given him some trouble this year because, you know, once he gets ahead a of steam and really can build up that momentum in the open court, it's really hard to get in front of him, even if you are a good defender like Horford. Um, I think that the matchup just along the wing, and I don't want to single out one player because both of these teams are so switchable along the wing. Like, you look at the combination of Middleton and Parker and Giannis, and you just see that they have, like, so much interchangeability. And then on the Celtics side, the same thing with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, those guys play all over the floor. So I'm curious to see along the wing, like if the Celtics or the Bucks can exploit those matchups and, and get those guys and beneficial 
uh, kind of situations. And then I, I'm, I'm right there with you. The Eric Bledsoe, Terry Rozier matchup is fascinating to me because super athletic guys really get after you defensively, downhill, fast players. Um, so their games really rival each other. They're very similar. And I think that um, Bledsoe is, is such a good tone setter for their offense, especially in the half court, that if Rozier can really get up into him and really kind of um, – you know, mess up their offensive scheme uh, and get Milwaukee to start their their offensive play. You know, closer to the ten second mark of of the shot clock. I think that'll be really beneficial for the Celtics as well. Yeah, Matt, great points. I do think some of the defense that we think of from Horford might be mitigated a bit because he's good on the perimeter, but that's not really a huge factor with Andy DeCupo. So it will uh, basically be some of that interior defense we look for. Okay, so finally, guys, I want to hear from both of you. We'll start with Sean. What does failure versus success look like for the Celtics in the playoffs? What is the tipping point in your mind? Getting to the second round, I think. Uh, when you when you look at what this team has faced this season, um, they were able to withstand the Hayward injury admirably. They more than withstood it. Uh, the fact that they finished second in the Eastern Conference, given that, uh, is a real testament to what this team has inside. Uh, the Irving injury <laughs> even played pretty admirably in the wake of that. Um, so, you know, I hate to make excuses and, and be a green teamer, but you just, you, hey, I am. And, and you just you take that <laughs> to heart as a fan. You really, really... Uh, gotta love uh, what you've seen out of the Celtics, but they still gotta win this first round series here. Um, and I think that, you know, again, the overall thing that you're looking at here is the Celtics have their three. It's Irving, Hayward, Horford. Those are your most paid guys. But the way that this team next year and potentially in the years after gets to that next level, wins an NBA Finals potentially, is with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, or some other guy clicking in to add that X factor to make it so you have a four. You know, like when the Celtics had Rondo, it it wasn't the big three, it was the big four, like Golden State has right now. So in order to get to that level, you got to see these guys ascend. So I think the microscope is on Brown, on Tatum, and those are the guys that are going to help you get out of this first round. And then you got a very interesting scenario with Philadelphia in the second. Matt? To me... I would be disappointed if they did not make it to the second round. I wouldn't necessarily call it a failure. I just want to see them play at the top of their game. I think there is a scenario out there where, I mean, clearly Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in this uh, series. and It's not even close. But I think Jabari Parker is clearly the second-best offensive player in the series. Hmm. So when you have both the best offensive players, I mean – there's a scenario here where Giannis just wins two or three games basically by himself. And the Celtics play really, really well, but they can't, aren't able to, to really slow him down. So I think if the Celtics are able to play at the top of their game, but lose in seven games, I, I won't be overly uh, disappointed, but maybe a little bit just because I think, I think that their side of the bracket, they have a better shot of making it to the Easter Conference Finals than they did if they were going to play like a Cleveland in the second round. Uh, and, but we might not know how successful these playoffs are until next year. Like, if, is there a scenario in next year's playoffs where Gordon Hayward's in foul trouble and Jason Tatum just completely steps up because of the experience he gained this year? The Celtics have done a good job taking pressure off these young guys in recent weeks and you know, creating the storyline that, like, it's not that big of a deal if they don't make it to the finals and they're all in for next year. But, like I said, I, I think they can get past Philly in the second round. Uh, I don't think that's that much of a tougher situation than Milwaukee 
So I would be disappointed to see them not make it at least that far to give themselves a shot. And there we have it, the full breakdown from two of Boston's best. That's the Silver Fox for Sean Silver on Twitter, at Matt Chin NBA on Twitter for Matt Chin. Both of those guys you need in your life. Fantastic NBA stuff all the time. Guys, happy playoff season. We appreciate your time. We will catch up very soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you. The action gets started with four games Saturday, followed by four more on Sunday. The Warriors and Spurs get things going in a rematch of last year's Western Conference Finals, three Eastern Saturday, followed by the Wizards at the Raptors, then the Sixers hosting the Heat. The Trailblazers entertain the Pelicans. On Sunday, the Celtics and Bucks begin the second day in Boston. That is a 1 o'clock tip-off at TD Garden, followed by the Pacers and Cavaliers. Jazz at the Thunder. Timberwolves visit the Rockets in the nightcap. As we wrap another episode of your favorite podcast, remember to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTG Basketball, and Celtics Express on the Twitter machine. Drop us a note. We thank our producer, Teddy Tuhat, our guest, Sean Silver, and Matt Chin today, our legions of fans, and of course, Dr. James Naismith. Until next time, I'm your host, Jay Corwin. Enjoy the opening weekend of the playoffs. Catch us next week, and we'll see you at the Garden.